Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It's one of the biggest ideas yet out of any 2020 candidate. Kamala Harris says, let's give America's teachers a $13,500 pay raise across the board. Amen, sister. What do you say, everybody? Here we go. Wednesday, middle of the week, Wednesday, March 27. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today. Wow. How about it? Lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, the uh, as we come to you live from our nation's capital, this is the uh, Bill Press Show. So you're in the right place. Absolutely the right place to find out what the hell's going on today, whether it's here in Washington, around the country, or around the globe. And we've got it all covered. Coming to you online, on the radio, and on television. Uh, the Attorney General yesterday saying, uh, yeah, we're going to get that full report. Well, as much of the report as possible. They still won't say the full report. We're going to get it out there. But it's going to take weeks, not days, weeks, not months, they say, but weeks. Why? Just, you know, send the truck up here, uh, rent a little truck, send it up to Capitol Hill, release it, and then we can take a look at it. Uh, meanwhile, yes, indeed, the Trump administration making it official, uh, despite all the BS talk about wanting to protect people on, uh, with pre-existing conditions, the Trump administration is now officially on record in the courts saying they want to kill every single line of the Affordable Care Act. All of it all goes down in flames. That's what Donald Trump wants. And yet he says we are going to be known as the party of health care. Yeah, by killing it? Don't get it. Uh, that's just that's just the start of all that we've got to talk about today. So line up and get ready to send us your comments on the news of the day on Twitter at BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. We will dive right in, top to bottom, but first. This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. So, uh, this happened sometimes. Uh, there was a flight from Honolulu to L.A. that had to turn around earlier this week. They were on their way, and they had to stop and turn around, all because there was 
a fist fight that broke out between oh passengers. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, this is not the first time that this has happened, by the way. Just last month, another Hawaiian flight that was also going to Los Angeles had to be diverted because a man tried to punch someone on the flight crew. But this time, it was a spat between two passengers. They were fighting over something. But here, here's the thing. You're going to be shocked when you hear this. They say alcohol was a factor. Oh, no. Yeah. Shocking, When you come back from the island, you're supposed to be. Relaxed. Relaxed. No, no, no. It's time to have a fist fight, apparently. Which, of course, this brings up uh, uh, the conversation again of should airlines limit the amount of alcohol that you can have or can serve on an airplane? I think that there are plenty of people who can enjoy it responsibly. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a limit, but you sure. know the problem is in first class they just keep bringing the. I bet I bet a lot of these happen in first class. Yeah, they just keep bringing as much like as you want. Like it or not, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get some drinks. Uh, how about this? We go to Canada. There was a fossil site where they discovered a Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> skeleton, and it turns out that they've put about sixty five percent of the skeleton together. It turns out this is the largest T Rex. Oh, that man. they have ever found. In fact, this sort of changes everybody's idea of just how big these Tyrannosaurus Rex could actually be. This one is estimated to have weighed 19,500 pounds. That's bigger than most elephants yeah. today. Now, uh, Well, I'd love to see it. I know, right? They have the skull and the hips along with some ribs, leg bones, and tail bones. They, they're looking and they're excavating and trying to find more, but they have a lot of it already done. They have nicknamed... Uh, this specimen, mm-hmm. Scotty. Scotty. Oh, okay. And they right. say that he apparently, but from what they can tell, has lived or lived to be around 28 years old. I, I'll i never get tired of reading stories like this. Oh, no. I love yeah. it. You know, yep, they're going to have to build another wing to the uh, Natural History Museum yeah, right? right up there, wherever it is. <laughs> Let's Canada, Scotty right? in. Yeah. Let's Scotty in. This is the Bill Press Show. And for probably the 100th time, uh, Republicans once again are trying to destroy every, every aspect, every inch, every provision of the Affordable Care Act. They tried to repeal it in Congress some 55 times, and now it's the Trump administration that did it yesterday despite all their promises during the campaign, of course, of protecting people with pre-existing conditions. What do you say? Hello, everybody. That's a big story of the day here on the Bill Press Show as we kick off this Wednesday edition, Wednesday, March 27, 2019. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. As always, lots to talk about, and we'll bring you up to date from top to bottom on all the news of the day as we join you from our studio in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we come to you on radio, on television, and online with the news of the day. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to see you. Good to have you back again today, uh, our little Bill Press family here. Uh, News gatherers and news uh, commentators (laughs) all together uh, for the next couple of hours uh, joining you again online on YouTube, YouTube dot com slash the bill press show where you also find our podcast and yes you will sign up for the podcast when you go there 
Uh, we know you will because you want to get all the special stuff that we put up all during the day. We join you on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And in Chicago, which is really, oh, man, it's so broiling in controversy today after prosecutors dropping charges on Jesse Smollett yesterday. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Joining in Chicago on WCPT and all the communities around Chicago. And look at you on Free Speech TV, looking good out there coast to coast on Free Speech. So with all that to talk about, and don't forget, most importantly, we want to hear from you, love hearing from you, your comments on the show of the day, on the issues of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, yes, indeed. I saw somebody uh, tweeted out last night that um, a CNN yesterday had spent like six hours talking nonstop about Jussie Smollett and uh, maybe five minutes talking about the Affordable Care Act and the Trump administration's attempt to kill the entire Affordable Care Act. So uh, we're going to do just the opposite today. Let's get our priorities straight. As outrageous as it is what happened to Justice Mollett, it's a lot more important that more than 20 million Americans will lose all their health care coverage because of Donald Trump now wanting to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Now, and, and let's put this in context, right? We know that under John Boehner and Paul Ryan, the House voted, I mean, I lost track, everybody lost track, over 35 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act, which is 10 years old now, right? It's been there 10 years. People are benefiting from the Affordable Care Act. Millions and millions of Americans have signed up. Millions more have gotten coverage through Medicaid. Uh, I'll show you a little bit about how many people, uh, even not part of Obamacare, how we, they have still benefited from that. But it's been around for a while. People are used to it. They're, they're enjoying it. They're taking advantage of it. Lives are being saved. Families are being protected. People who could never afford insurance, uh, health insurance before are now covered. Millions of young people are on their parents' health care plans until they're 26. People with pre-existing existing conditions can buy health insurance. Preventive care, for the most part, is free now just to encourage people to take better care of themselves. All those great conditions of Obamacare, Republicans never gave a damn about. They try to repeal it over and over and over and over and over again. Then Donald Trump comes along and says, I'm going to be the president of healthcare when he's running for office. We're not going to have Obamacare, but we're I'm going to repeal it on day one. But we're going to give you even a better plan, and it and and we're going to deliver that, and that's part of my program. Well, they never did. He never came up with a plan at all. Uh, he gets elected, and he says, "I'm going to repeal Obamacare on day one," which he didn't do. So here we are, two years later. So then they shifted to this. Well, we're going to save the best parts of Obamacare. And like last year during the campaign, the 2018 campaign, all the Republicans said over and over again, we're going to protect people with pre-existing conditions. We'll never let that go away. We're going to protect young people who are on their parents' programs. We'll never let that go away. And they've, they've worn this mask, right, of trying to get rid of Obamacare or at least gut it, but keep all the most popular provisions. Uh, that went out the window yesterday. Unbelievably, there, there was a couple of weeks ago, a federal judge in Texas, we know, 
just one judge said he thought the entire Affordable Care Act was uh, illegal, unlawful, unconstitutional, and therefore um, it should the entire act be repealed. And yesterday, the Trump administration totally reversed course. Reportedly, after a lot of controversy inside the Trump cabinet, uh, reportedly even the department, the secretary of HHS, Alex Azar, I think his name is, did not want this to happen. But Donald Trump gave the order, and the Justice Department went into the court in Texas yesterday and filed papers in support of that federal judge to get rid of entirely the Affordable Care Act, kill every provision, no more protection for preexisting conditions, no more uh, expansion of Medicaid, you name it, no more new preventive care, no more limits on what insurance companies um, can charge you nor requirements or what has to be part of any basic uh, insurance plan. No more protection for pre-existing people with pre-existing conditions. None, none. Get rid of it entirely. And yet on that very day, Donald Trump goes up yesterday, comes up to the Hill, meets with Republicans in Congress, and going into a caucus with Senate Republicans, uh, says, uh, make, again, makes the plan, you can count on us. The Republican Party will soon be known as the party of health care. How can he say that? We're getting rid of the affordable care, but and and coming up with nothing, absolutely nothing. And we're going to be the party of health care. Now, he keeps promising and he's been for the last three or four years promising to deliver a better health care plan. Well, where is it? And honestly, do you think Donald Trump is capable of coming up with one? Remember about a year ago, he said, God, whoever, whoever knew that health care was so complicated? <laughs> yeah, duh, hello. Ask Barack Obama, who worked on this for two years. Uh, Speaker Pelosi yesterday uh, just, just pointed out, you know, this, this has been, let's, we shouldn't be surprised at what they did because this is, this, is, this is what they're all about, and they've been at this for a long time. The GOP will never stop trying to destroy the affordable health care of America's families. That's, that's their mission. And as to pre- people with pre-existing condition, listen to what they say, look at what they do. They say they're going to protect pre-existing conditions as a benefit, pre-existing condition as a benefit, and then they go to court to strip it. Yep. And she says any talk about pre-existing conditions, it was all a big lie. All during the campaign, the Republican candidates and the Republican incumbents were saying that they supported the pre-existing condition benefit, despite the fact that they had voted over and over and over again to repeal it. Right. You know, in a a sense, this is a—I can't believe—again, I can't believe they did this. This is a huge gift to Democrats. Democrats got one, 40 seats in the House in 2018, largely because candidates in blue districts, purple districts, even some red districts, Democrats won on the issue of health, pardon me, health care, protecting health care, while Republicans are always trying to repeal it and pretending not to, pretending to save some good parts of it. Now they're flat out there going into 2020. This is going to be 
one of the major issues in 2020. They're flat out there saying everything about the Obamacare, the Obamacare, everything about the Affordable Care Act, uh, out the window. Um, so look, I, I saw this piece yesterday on Politico uh, last night. Somebody pulled together. Here's why this is so important. So the millions of people that are signed up on the exchanges and those families, the state exchange or the federal exchange, those are all people on Medicare. But the benefits of Medicare go far beyond that. Let me just read a little bit from this article. Obamacare has meant lower premiums, deductibles, and out-of-pocket costs for the roughly 60 million seniors and disabled Americans who are enrolled in Medicare, even though Medicare is not Obamacare, that lower premiums extended, expanded coverage for Medicare because of Obamacare. It slowed the growth of Medicare payments to hospitals and other providers, reduced payments to Medicare Advantage plans. The Obama administration estimated in 2016 that the typical Medicare beneficiary, the typical person on Medicare, now pays about $700 a year less in premiums because of the restrictions of the Affordable Care Act. So all those people in Medicare benefited from Obamacare. Another popular provision, children allowed to remain on their parents' plans until they turn 26, as I mentioned. Gone, according to Trump. Will be gone. Companies with at least 50 employees must provide affordable insurance to their staffers who work at least 30 hours a week. That provision, very popular, out the window, says Donald Trump. Prohibits employers from imposing annual or lifetime limits on benefits. Caps out-of-pocket spending. Gone, Donald Trump says. Another popular provision of Medicare. Americans, thanks to Obamacare, are also able to get a wide range of preventive care, including annual checkups, mammograms, cholesterol tests, and flu shots, and birth control at no cost. All of that gone under uh, Donald Trump says. We want get rid of get rid of all of it. Again, a huge gift to Democrats. Democrats are going to take this and run on it and um, uh, and. Again, with the Mueller report done in and, and, and uh, kind of taking the momentum out of any plans to proceed with impeachment hearings, Democrats can get back to the issues. And as they attempt to do so, whether the issue is climate change or jobs or health care, Donald Trump has given them a great opening. There's no way Republicans will come up with any alternative in the time that's left between 2020. First of all, they've had 10 years and they haven't come up with one yet. You think they're going to do it in the next month? Do you think Donald Trump knows anything about health care? No. All he knows is about anything that, that Obama touched is destroy, 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 whether it's the Paris Climate Change Accords or now the Affordable Care Act. Uh, big, big deal yesterday. Uh, we learned yesterday also about, we were told, the um, just continued talk just a, a moment about the uh, Mueller report, uh, the, attorney, the Department of Justice said, yes, we're going to release as much as we can of the Mueller report, but not for, it's going to be weeks, not months. Uh, that's not going to satisfy uh, a lot of people, not even some Republicans. Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut yesterday said, look, let's just send over the full report. I want to see the Mueller report, not the bar summary, for all of the evidence and see how close it came to proof beyond a reasonable doubt. 
and even uh, also, I should say, maybe Republican senator from Louisiana, John N. Kennedy, uh, echoes what um, the senator from Connecticut said. Make sure the report is released and uh, give everybody a chance to read it, including and especially the American people. Yeah, and remember, Donald Trump himself said the other day wouldn't bother him at all if the report is released. So stop playing around with it. Just release a damn thing. Let me ask you a question. What, yes. What is the uh, what would stop Robert Mueller from coming out and clarifying this report? Like right now, right? Donald Trump is running around saying I've been completely mm-hmm. exonerated, yeah, right. all all that stuff, right? Which I think that even if you read Barr's letter, it's it's murkier than a total exoneration, yeah. right? Well, so is it- Robert Mueller? Does he have the liberty to come out and explain this at all? I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, not being an, an attorney and not having given done any research sure. on that topic, sure. Uh, my off the cuff answer would be absolutely. He's got the right to right? do it. He's a private citizen now. Yeah, he's reti- he was retired. He came out of retirement to do this. I guess you know he was that still at the office yesterday, right? So right. he's got some stuff to clean up. But he's done. His job is done. And it's not like but, he. It's not like he loves the camera or anything. I was just, I was just going to say if he were at Michael Avenatti, yeah. It, it, <laughs> Uh, he would yeah. be right now on every cable <laughs> channel simultaneously, right. Right? right? right, 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 right. So I don't think you're going to see Mueller. Nothing could stop him, but I don't think he'll do it until he's asked to do it. Yeah, that's. Yeah, and I, I think, think so. he will be yeah. uh, uh, asked to do it. He I, he better be. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump continues his victory lap, still claiming total exoneration. And, and remember, there is a distinction. I don't want to. I don't want to be a sore loser here, but there is a distinction between finding no collusion whatsoever. Robert Mueller didn't say that. He said there was not enough collusion to form to to prove a criminal conspiracy on the part of Donald Trump. And he didn't say there was no obstruction of justice at all. He just didn't rule whether there was or not. There was a lot of evidence there was. Some reason to say maybe there wasn't enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he committed a crime. That's a different test. But at any rate, Donald Trump claiming complete exoneration continuing the victory lap and saying, oh, I have been so wronged. I never want another president to go through what I had to go through. This should never happen to a president again. We can't allow that to take place. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. There there have been criminal investigations of presidents before, <clears throat> not that long ago. Hello, Bill Clinton, still around. Uh, but what I, what I find remarkable about that is what should never be allowed to happen again is that a foreign adversary interfere in our election to help one candidate get elected because they want that candidate to be president of the United States. That is what happened. That is what should never be allowed to happen again. And Donald Trump has never said that. He has never condemned Russia for interfering in the 2016 election. I hate to keep belaboring that point, but it's true. He has never, in fact, he said, Vladimir Putin told me he didn't do it, so I believe Vladimir Putin. So what Donald Trump has never said is Russia nor any other country should ever ever again be allowed to interfere in one of our elections and undermine our democracy. Why won't he say that? That is the point here. And that, if, if nothing else, if nothing else, Robert Mueller proved... Beyond, an, beyond any doubt 
that Russia's involvement in the 2016 election was far, far, far greater than any of us thought. Far more complicated, far more reach out, uh, reaching uh, and penetrating in the American electorate uh, than we ever thought. And yet, Donald Trump still not condemned that. A couple of other things. Yes, indeed, the House tried valiantly uh, to um, override the president's veto yesterday. Uh, they needed a two-thirds vote in the House. Uh, there was no, they, no way they were going to get it. Uh, the final vote was 248 to 181. Uh, all, two, all 234 Democrats voted, of course, to override. Not of course, but they held together. Good for them to, to override the president's veto of their resolution to override the emergency declaration. Uh, and 14 Republicans, brave souls, join the Democrats, but it wasn't enough, and certainly there are not enough votes in the House uh, either. And then we get to Chicago. Unfreaking believable. Oh, boy. You know, I mean, so we know the story. This came out a month or so ago. Actor. Jesse Smollett said he'd been uh, attacked, uh, homophobic smears, put a noose around his neck. Happened, MAGA hats. MAGA hats, right, you know, happened in the middle of the night in Chicago. Uh, and it turned out uh, pretty clearly that this all staged by him for publicity. He paid a couple of brothers to do this, gave them the money. We got the evidence. We have the videotape of these brothers buying the ski mask that they wore. We've got a copy of a check that just Jesse Smollett wrote to these brothers. Slam dunk. 16 counts. And yesterday, to the astonishment of the peop good people of Chicago and the astonishment of the police department of Chicago and the mayor of Chicago, the prosecutor said dropped all 16 charges. Justice Smollett comes out basically and says, you know, I told the truth the whole time. Now I'd like nothing more than to just get back to work and move on with my life. Wow. That's a good question. Will he be able to get back to work? Well, it's I, interesting, I, right? So, you know, he he's was a, dropped from that uh, series, right? Whatever. No, 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 no. Oh, he, oh, was, he was back on set. And in fact, yesterday, a lot of his co-stars from Empire uh, yeah. sort of tweeted out their support for him. So I, he faked this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, he might have been ready to move on. Mayor Rahm Emanuel was not ready to move on. He was red hot. This is a whitewash of justice. A grand jury could not have been clearer. To then say not only is the cost, $10,000 doesn't come cost financially, but all the other repercussions of this decision made to me, where is the accountability in the system? Yeah, good question. Uh, and people are talking already about uh, what, what the hell happened? How, can, how, how could this have happened? Given they had all the evidence and, and the, the people who st staged this attack, the brothers who were part of it, admitted that they were paid to do this and it was all phony baloney. They told them where they bought the rope uh, and they did this because Justice Smollett told them this is what he wanted them to do. Um, I saw an interview on CBS News last night with the prosecutor and the prosecutor said, um, Jerika Duncan asked the prosecutor, so do you believe he's guilty? And he said, yes. 
Do you believe he lied to you? Yes. And yet they dropped all 16 charges. I just can't believe what happened there. And so people are starting to talk about maybe there's some kind of a sweetheart deal or some kind of a backroom deal. Uh, who knew the who knew the prosecutor or who knew who had who knows right? But uh, doesn't look good you know, um, for the whole Justice Department. The, the whole story system, sucks. I'm sorry. The whole yeah. story sucks. The, just, Beginning it's to end. really infuriating. And the thing that really uh, bothers me about this are all of the. Uh, right-wingers who are so upset about this. And, like, look, I understand. It's, it's reason to get upset. This guy did something uh, wrong and stupid, and it looks like he's going to get away with it, right? Uh, but the glee yeah. That, yeah. that Republicans had when this when this story first emerged, that he had made it up or had uh, orchestrated it himself, was gross. And then them getting so upset that he's going to get away with this is also pretty gross. And you know whose fault that is? Jesse Smollett. You're right. Yeah. It's 100% his fault. Yeah. It's yeah. just the whole thing just drives yeah. me nuts. Thanks a lot, dude. Uh, because, a... because these types of things do happen. Yes. It's, yes. To be clear, yes. right? Like these happen. Yes. All uh, homophobic attacks. Yeah. Hate crimes. Yeah. They're on the rise, right? And that's why people believed him so much at first because there's so much of this for real that happens. Right. And to fake an event like this. Right. And then the next an one that happens, like this, people are going to people tend, will question it. Tend not to believe. It's like that woman down at Virginia Tech or wherever it was who the Rolling Stone did the whole story. Oh right, her, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And just set back that whole incidence of campus rape, which yep. happens all the time. She faked one, and then people said, now "Oh, people, that, you see, yeah, why you shouldn't believe these women, yeah. right?" Uh, on uh, on and on a little positive note, this part of the program to talk about. You know, we've had a lot of, I mentioned this before, I find it very, very exciting. They're not all going to fly, but there are a lot of new ideas, big, bold new ideas that are coming out uh, in this uh, 2020, early early days of this 2020 presidential primary, I find very, very exciting. We're talking about expanding the Supreme Court. We're talking about getting rid of the Electoral College. We're talking about a wealth tax. We're talking about a 70% tax on people on income over $10 million. We're talking about universal child care. We're talking about a Green New Deal. Yesterday, there's another big idea thrown out there, uh, by, this time by Senator Kamala Harris from California, who in a big speech in Houston said, America's teachers are not paid what they are worth. They're not paid in proportion to the importance of their job. And we need to give America's teachers a pay raise. And she proposed and across the board, so federal government subsidizing teachers around the country to the tune of an average, changes, it depends on how long you've been teaching, but the average would be $13,500 a year added on to what the teachers are, are today making. That's a 23% jump. It's a little bit different than Paul Ryan's promise of, uh, you know, Costco membership. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and she admitted that it would cost about $315 billion, which she says we would pay for by limiting the estate tax, good plan, and closing some loopholes. But even, you know, $315 billion. I remember, boy, I, when I, one of the 
early days when I was doing political commentary in Los Angeles, I did a little research and found out that first-year teachers in Los Angeles were getting paid less than what the cafeteria workers were getting in L.A. public schools. Gross. Oh, that's that's enraging. Yeah. I mean, talk, not, not putting down those good cafeteria no, workers, right? No, of course right? not. But, you know, a little more responsibility goes with in the inside of that classroom. Uh, so I've been, I've been, this has been a big issue for me for a long, long time. Uh, and I think they're the, they do the most important work, uh, 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 some of the most important jobs. I'm not putting down firefighters or police officers either, but some of the most important work and are the least compensated of all of American workers. And so uh, God bless teachers and good for uh, Kamala Harris for throwing it out there. Again, may not go anywhere. Hope it does. But at least it's a big idea we ought to be talking about. Very, very exciting. So there we go. We're just getting started. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Joe Perticone joins us next from a Business Insider uh, to talk more about uh, this vote on the uh, failed vote on the override yesterday and where we go now after the Mueller report. Wednesday, March 27. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Wednesday, Wednesday, March 27, uh, here we go, the Bill Press Show. Well underway with all of you, coast to coast, joining us online on the radio and on television. Thanks for being there today. As we come to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., hopscotching through the news of the day, now with the help of Joe Perticone, from Business Insider, political reporter for Business Insider, covering uh, the Hill and the White House, everything here, this side of the river in Washington. Joe, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Tim. Um, a lot going on here today. We, for a little bit, we want to check up with uh, some comments from some of our listeners and viewers before we move forward. Yes, Peter. indeed. Let's go to Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, let's read some comments first. Uh, True Blue, talking about Donald Trump and uh, health care, says... All he really wants to do is take the Affordable Care Act and put his name on it. That's really what he's trying to do. Uh, interesting. I'm not sure if I agree with that. but I'm uh, not sure either. <laughs> he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and then put his name on, what, nothing yeah, so right. far. Right, right. Uh, Holly says that the Mueller report is done, but it's not in, if you catch what she's trying to say. We're really just reading off of the, the, the Bill Barr notes. She says the Democrats must have public hearings uh, about all of this. Uh, yeah, have- I don't think it's extreme to say that we deserve to see the full report, not just the four-page summary written by Donald Trump's attorney general. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we also have a poll up right now, a poll. Uh, will the GOP's renewed attacks on Obamacare, the ACA, guarantee a blue wave in 2020? <laughs> you could vote yes, no, or undecided. As of right now, 64% of you say yes, 19% of you say no, 17% of you are undecided. So go check out uh, our Twitter page at BP Show. At BP Show, you can vote in our poll. Guarantee? I'm not sure. But certainly will it uh, give the Democrats an an advantage and a boost uh, in making their argument in 2020? Absolutely. Um, so, Joe, let me ask you, for, uh, God, you've been, you've been busy on so many different fronts here. I don't yeah. know where to start. Let's start with the override vote yesterday. Didn't have a chance, so why did Democrats even go through with it? Well, I mean, of course they have to do it. Uh, You have to try at least, even if you know it's going to fail. Um, 
so I mean today or yesterday it was it was kind of a win for Trump to kind of have his national emergency declaration stand as it is. It's still the subject of a number of lawsuits, so it's not certain that it'll always go through. But you know, they just they had to do at least the test the override vote, um, even though it's going nowhere. Right. So the vote was 248 to 181, 14 Republicans joining all the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were 13 Republicans that voted for the to, to override, uh, not to override, but to uh, nullify the declaration. So one more Republican joined in. Will there be a vote in the Senate? Do we know? Uh, I don't think so, um, especially because it failed already in the House. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know. There'd be no point for them to do that. Um, that's also something that I don't imagine Mitch McConnell would entertain. So, and chances are even slimmer. Uh, yeah, in the Senate. Well, I mean, uh, uh, twelve Republicans in the Senate join Democrats, um, but as we've seen, you know, no one's no one's budged even slightly. So that you know, they don't have the two thirds there either. Right. Um, the we spend so much time talking about. Um, and I want to talk to you about, about the health care uh, decision yesterday by the president, uh, by the administration, and about the Mueller report that the Michael Avenatti news has sort of <laughs> we thought might disappear. But Avenatti was back out there yesterday still attacking Nike. Right? Yeah, but that's what he does. Um, you know, he's shown that he doesn't go away. Um you know, as much as people might want him to. Uh, but, you know, like, for instance, just the Avenatti news on top of the Mueller report closing, I know that a lot of Republicans have just been, like, counting it as another win because they they just yeah. enjoyed that moment where they could, you know, own the libs just a little bit further. Something here's, I love doing. Here's the question about the Avenatti thing. I mean, first of all, reportedly, and he's accused of trying to extort so much money out of um, shake. Nike down for $25 million, right? Uh, and if you give me that money, I won't tell the story. But do we know anything about the substance of what he was claiming? I mean, is it possible that if you put the extortion aside, that he's really onto something about what Nike paying off younger players, uh, athletes to wear their gear? That That's certainly a likelihood. I mean, it you see it everywhere in college sports. There's, That's what there's, I thought. There's yeah. so many yeah. um, different problems in that in that realm. Um, but then you have you know the other side where people think, well, maybe these young athletes should be paid. So there's there's that. Um, but I mean, the well, Avenatti but, news was just wild. You know, he he tried he, he issued this threat to Nike, so they call the DOJ, and they're like, all right, we're going to tap your next conversation. And they're like, can you repeat what you said? And he goes, sure, <laughs> and does it again. Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't. So they had tapped his, or they they, they they were wired. They basically went after he made these threats. Um, yeah, you know, officials told Nike, "Well, just record a conversation and have it again." Um, and they did. And when they talked to him again, they're like, "Can you repeat basically what you said?" And he just did for them, which is not very smart. <laughs> Uh, uh, but he paid his bail. Now he's out and, and won't go down quietly, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. Is he represent himself? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I can't recall. Um, probably not, though. I mean, there there are lawyers for this kind of thing, even for kind of people like Michael Avenatti. 
Uh, right. And hopefully, for Avenatti's sake, they would do it um, on re- what what is the word? Um, not not on based on getting a, a cut of whatever they win, right? But yeah. there's a word for that. Not pro bono, whatever that but, is. No. <laughs> well, it's a term among t- trial lawyers. They'll take a case. Uh, one of our listeners or viewers will come up with it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure someone's going to let us know on Let us know on, on that, Twitter. yeah. So what happens now post-Robert Mueller? A uh, number of things. Barr's going to be testifying on the Hill. Um, I know that Lindsey Graham had a phone call with him on Monday um, where Barr said he would be willing to testify in his public setting if possible. Um, that's in the Senate side. House side's going to bring him in, of course. He'll be grilled on these things. Um, I, in terms of seeing a copy or a redacted copy of the Mueller report, um, there's a number of different things that can happen. The White House can look through it and claim executive privilege on certain things, or Barr might choose to withhold names or certain details, either because it might be classified information or to protect identities of certain people. Um, so Grand jury testimony. Yeah, and you know, so there, there's a number of things that are going to have to happen. So this is this could be weeks long process before we see a partial report or before Congress receives a partial report and then Congress, you know, will go back and forth and then you could see something public. But it, it might be a while. Right. Um, was Barr um, d- authorized and was he the right one um, to make the decision about obstruction of justice or should that have been a uh, decision that Congress makes? Bob, Robert Mueller himself did not reach a conclusion. Yeah, well, uh, uh, so did, did the Rosen's... law give the attorney general the, the, the authority to, to make the decision, or did he just jump in and make that decision? As I read it, he, he made the decision with Rod Rosenstein. Um, yeah. So, you know, they came to this conclusion the way they did. Um, it's not really in Congress's purview, but Congress can still pursue things further. They mm-hmm. can still compel documents. They can bring individuals in for testimony, either in a closed setting or in a public setting, to to get to the bottom of why this decision was made. Like if, when you see Barr testify for the first time, um, I know he's testifying before Appropriations Committee, um, so it might not get brought up there. Mm-hmm. But when he testifies before either House or Senate Judiciary first, someone is going to bring up, why did you come to this decision? How did you come to this decision? Um, and you might get a small answer, and you might get a better answer in a closed setting. Still unclear, but he's going to have to answer. Okay. Uh, and a, a part of the question, too, be how long, when did you first find out that he was not going to reach, uh, Mueller was not going to rule on obstruction? How long did you know? How long did it take you to make the decision? How, and mm-hmm. what did you base on all those kind of questions? But Peter and I were uh, talking earlier. Uh, so Bob Barr Bill Barr will be <laughs> the other Bob Barr. I remember him. Um, Bill Barr will be called to testify. We'll probably agree to testify. What about Robert Mueller? Are we going to hear from him? I mean, he's the one who wrote the report. Um, why not get him up in front of yeah. Congress? I can't really envision, just based on what I've heard from Lindsey Graham, spoke to him on Monday, uh, I can't really envision a scenario where the Senate Judiciary brings in Robert Mueller. Um, the House Judiciary Committee is a little more invested in this. Uh, so you maybe it, but it could be. I, I still think it's unlikely for that to happen, but it could happen in a closed setting. I think that would be more likely. Well, okay, but his standing right now, he is no longer special counsel, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, the job is done. I mean, he, 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 I saw yesterday that he was in his office. Somebody reported, but 
I mean, the special counsel investigation is over, right? Yeah. So he's what? What's his status? Uh, just a retired FBI director now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I he could always voluntarily come in um, and testify. I just don't think that, that, that that's a line that Democrats would be willing to cross, bringing in someone like him um, for a public setting. I could see it in a closed setting, though. But wouldn't they want to know, again, what do you mean? You, was there any collusion at all, just not enough to constitute a criminal conspiracy? Yeah. Was there any obstruction at all? Just not enough to prove, again, a crime or... Yeah, and, and bringing in the, Robert Mueller... Because all we have, right, is this... I've got it here somewhere, this little four-page document from the Attorney General. Yeah, and, and depending on how long it takes for DOJ and Barr to give answers to Congress, and if they're stonewalling, that would probably increase the likelihood of them wanting to bring in Robert Mueller to talk to him. But if they're if they're prompt and they're swift with, with providing everything... I don't think they would see a need to do that. Right. So in the light of the Mueller report, uh, clearly, as several people have pointed out, uh, that may be over, but there are other investigations ongoing. Yes, like so many. (laughs) So many, yeah. Southern District of New York, New York Attorney General, here in D.C. with the emoluments clause and all that, and at least three committees in the House. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, judiciary and uh, intelligence and ways and means, right? Yes. Um, maybe others. I don't know. That well, and, know and, f- and, f- and, you know, foreign affairs, um, they've been stonewalled by the White House. They wanted to get uh, details of all conversations that the White House has had with Vladimir Putin's office. Um, they've been stonewalled on that so okay. far. So there, there's just every committee is looking at everything. Well, uh, that, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. What are the lines of investigation that you see as going to be the principal lines of investigation now from Democrats in the House of Representatives? Uh, obviously, I think that uh, one that they've been working on meticulously is uh, Ways and Means, trying to get his tax returns. Uh, they're doing that very slowly. They still haven't really made that request. Um, but that's a kind of a thing where legally speaking you have to build your case as why it's necessary because you can't just ask for the president's tax returns Mm -hmm. just for the sake of exposure it has to be for legislative purposes so what they're doing is they're trying to make the case and present it so it's you know all eyes dotted t's crossed and then they can make that request then you have uh if i can just ask you i'm just blanking on john yarmouth is the chair of the budget committee who's chair of ways and means uh, Richard Neal, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go on. Yeah. And the then, and then uh, I believe John Lewis is the um, ranking. So, um, or... he's, he's the oversight subcommittee of Ways and Means. So mm-hmm. he, that's a big role. They had yeah. the first hearing about the president's tax returns. Um, basically, Republicans argued that it was, you know, mean, uh, so they shouldn't do it. But they, they think they have a solid legal footing to make this request. They're mm-hmm. just trying to build the proper case before they do make the request from the Treasury Department. Right. Yeah. And then Intel, obviously, they've reopened their own version of investigating Russian interference. Um, that's going to take a lot longer. It also might be a little more or less or less thorough than Robert Mueller's investigation just because they can't dedicate 100% of their time to it the way he did. Um, but that that's another big one. Right. Uh, Elijah Cummings... Um, l- looking at um, who they have in last week or a couple of weeks ago, the, the big Cummings hearing. We all watched it. The Cohen hearing. Michael Cohen. 
Michael Cohen, yeah. of course. Yeah, Se- seems yeah. like years ago. I know it does, doesn't <laughs> right? it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Oversight. A lot of it is going to be, is what they're investigating. Is things happening since the presidency started. They're not looking into like Russian collusion and things like mm-hmm. that. But it's a lot of so many different things that they can be digging into. Whether it's uh, the security clearance process in the White House, that's a big thing that they've been working hard on. Um, there's a number of areas where oversight is. I mean, an oversight has the most. I describe them as pit bulls in Congress, whether it's Republican side or Democratic side. You have people like Mark Meadows, and you have people like Jim Jordan, and then you have Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and you know you have a lot of the biggest personalities on that committee. Um, so that's probably where a lot of the fireworks are um, in terms of their hearings and public settings. Uh, so uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, yesterday, or maybe the day before. Uh, when uh, the speaker said, basically, once again, okay, let's get back to basics. Let's get back to the issues that we won on in 2018. Hakeem Jeffries uh, is, is putting, the congressman putting the same word out there. We're not, this is what we're focusing on, focusing on these issues that we won on in 2018. Uh, and then you had a fresh person, freshman, uh, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, who circulates a letter to every Democrat in Congress asking them to join her in filing articles of impeachment. So totally against the grain of what the leadership said we ought to be doing. Um, how's that going? It reminds me of uh, the young Republicans bucking John Boehner many years ago. Uh, I think, though, that you know there's not a lot of momentum, especially after the Mueller report. A lot of Democrats uh, who are either on the fence about impeachment or who are already against it, like leadership, basically said, let's take a breath. And let's figure out how to get this report, make it public. Let's bring in people to testify. Let's do this slower and more meticulously. Um, that's the overall message. And I know that leadership wants to focus on health care because they, had, yeah. they did that in 2018. All the down-ballot races, they focused on things like health care, and it worked really well. And I think that the direction is to do that instead of focusing on Trump. They can still work on it. But focusing on it publicly, they they found is not good for them. You know, and even the speaker's position was on impeachment. She didn't say no, 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 never, never, never. But she did say that's not our priority. And basically, let's wait and see what Mueller comes up with. And then we can decide. Well, we've seen what Mueller comes mm-hmm. up with, right? Mueller certainly did not uh, add any fuel to the fire for impeachment. Which was, So um, I think Mueller sort of did the job for Speaker Pelosi, right, in yeah. getting impeachment like off the table. Um, and Rashida Tlaib is kind of swimming upstream, I believe, on yeah. that. And there was there was an interesting comment from Lindsey Graham on Monday. He said he was a impeachment manager uh, during yes. the Clinton yes. administration, and he said, "You sh- Democrats should learn from our mistakes. We overreached and we lost seats in the upcoming election in the House." Uh, and he said that if Democrats continue to just hit Trump very publicly, they could have the same effect. Um, I don't know if Democrats take Lindsey Graham's advice, but that's what it was. Well, the leadership seems to have taken his advice. Yeah. Right? And without that, uh, uh, impeachment hearings are not going to begin. Yeah, certainly. Right. Um, Michael, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we talked about Michael Navanai. Um, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez has shaken things up, of course. It's, it, well, first of all, her comments on impeachment I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, yeah, I'd like to see him impeached, but let's face it, the votes aren't there. Yeah, I mean... She, she's, in several ways, I think, shown to be a pretty pragmatic 
um, lefty, if you will. Yeah. A lot of these freshman members have been uh, made a lot of wild comments in the press, but I think she's shown since she's got into Congress that she's been able to kind of focus on more articulate messaging in a way that some of the other members maybe haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so she did put out this Green New Deal, right, which um, we haven't seen the legislative – I mean – it's a resolution. Yeah, it's right? a non-binding resolution, basically a commitment to pursue this. Um, and then they had the vote yesterday in the Senate. McConnell put it on the floor, which in a way Democrats characterize it as a stunt. Uh, so they all voted present except for a few who voted no. Nobody voted yes for it. Um, it, it was clearly a, an effort for because Republicans see this as a big campaign issue. They wanted to put Democrats on the record so that they can use that in their campaign effort. Uh, politics. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, there's so many things that Mr. McConnell doesn't believe we have to vote. They have to vote on, right? Or will not allow a vote on. Uh, but this one, he he really wanted a vote on. Uh, yeah. And Democrats basically said, "We're not going to play that game." Yeah, right? he did it without any hearings, no markups, no nothing, no amendments. This clearly, like, it it was very obvious. Democrats said, "We don't want to do this because." You know, if, if you're going to vote on something like this, we should have hearings. We should have witness testimony. There's a process at play. But McConnell didn't do that. He just put it straight on the floor uh, to put vulnerable Democrats in, in a political bind. And you saw Doug Jones in Alabama, easily the most vulnerable Democrat going into 2020. He just straight up voted against it. Um, so you, you saw a lot of members just not take the bait. Right. Uh, but basically a meaningless vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether you were able to get to this hearing yesterday, but Betsy DeVos was on the Hill um, and talking about the Department of Education's budget and priorities. Uh, one of the things that's come out in the president's budget where um, sort of cuts across the board, one of the things that gets badly cut are the special, is the special Olympics program cut by $18 million. Betsy DeVos was trying to defend that yesterday. Um, and... Her first, her first defense is, we we all had to cut, basically across the board. President's fiscal year 2020 budget would reduce overall funding for department programs by 7.1 billion dollars, which is a 10 percent decrease from 2019's appropriated level. Okay, so I've been head of a government agency, and sometimes that's what happened. They tell you you just got to go back and find 15 percent or 10 percent or whatever, and you got make those cuts. Uh, but so that doesn't fly with the Democrats on the committee. They're, they're particularly interested in the Special Olympics program, which does seem to be among the coolest cuts, cruelest cuts of all. Um, Congressman Mark Pocan, our good friend from Wisconsin, uh, follows through on how many kids are impacted. Do you know how many kids um, are going to be affected by that cut, Madam Secretary? Um, Ms. Mr. Pocan, uh, let me just say again, we had made we had to make some okay. difficult decisions with this budget. Again, this is a question of how many kids, not about I the budget. I don't know the number okay. of kids. It's two hundred and seventy-two thousand kids. That's all. I'll answer it for you. That's okay. No problem. Two hundred and seventy-two thousand kids. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Caught her in her own game. This isn't the first. This isn't the first time that she's been up there and showed a pretty appalling ignorance of reality when it comes to. The impact of some of the, their cuts. Yeah. And during this administration, there's been big increases in defense. 
uh, other areas they've wanted to cut. And DeVos throughout her tenure has been cut, 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 which is traditional Republican philosophy. Um, so obviously it's going to get tense when she goes into those hearings, um, especially now controlled by Democrats. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe um, the most unpopular member of the uh, president's cabinet that, who's left at any rate. And she's one of the ones, <laughs> one of the few that is left. Hey, Joe, it's always good to see you. Thanks for your good work. Thank you very uh, much. you got a busy time up there. Businessinsider.com is where you can follow Joe's work. We'll back in just a minute with the rest of the news. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Kamala Harris shakes things up with a pay raise for teachers, at least a proposed pay raise for teachers, giving every teacher in America an average $13,500 pay raise. Great idea. Teachers deserve it. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Wednesday, March 27. This is the Bill Press Show, and it's uh, so good to see you today. Thank you for being part of the program as we join you across this great land of ours, coast to coast, online, on radio, and on television, with all the news of the day, a lot of big news. Yes, indeed. Uh, Senator Harris, uh, one of the leading 2020 candidates, saying uh, teachers deserve a pay raise, and uh, she, as president, would give them one as one of her top priorities. The attorney general telling members of Congress yesterday, yeah, we're going to try to get that Mueller report to you, but it could take weeks, not months, but weeks, but not days either. And the Trump administration, um, in a change of course, actually, or maybe just coming up front and being honest with what they've wanted all along, uh, goes into court to say we should kill the entire Affordable Care Act. Uh, Parker Malloy uh, is, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm ahead of myself. She's next. <laughs> She's next. Alice Olstein is healthcare reporter for Politico, who's been covering ACA since it was adopted and uh, and uh, signed by the president, is here in studio to tell us what that all means. Hi, Alice. It's nice to Hello. see you. Hello. Good to yeah. be back. Uh, thank you. It's good to have you back as well, on particular on a big day like today. Yes. We need to hear from you. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, and we'll find out all about uh, the ACA and where we go from here. But first, this is big the Full Court Press. <laughs> all righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Today's the day, Bill. Yes. Uh-oh. Did you buy your ticket? You know what? Not yet. No, I have well, a note on my it. desk to get my Powerball ticket. You got to do it today. You got to do it today yeah. because the Powerball drawing will happen tonight. And up for grabs is a $750 million jackpot. That is the fourth largest jackpot in United States history. If you did take the lump sum payout, 
uh, it would be $465.5 million. Now, you're going to play. Yeah, I'll do the lump sum. Carol and I already decided. You've already decided? Okay. Well, you yeah. take a little bit of the hit, but that's probably... Uh, that's all right. I think you oh. can probably live with it. The odds of winning, roughly, one in 292.2 million. <laughs> so I don't want to discourage you. I'm just saying don't get your hopes up too, too high. Uh, you know, the Powerball has not been won since the day after Christmas. And since then, they've had 25 different drawings that have failed to produce a winner. So we'll see if somebody takes it home tonight. Hmm. I'm feeling lucky. You're feeling lucky? Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a story that we've talked about uh, several times, but uh, Harris Teeter, grocery I'm still store. going to buy one ticket, though. Just one? Yeah. All right. You have as good a chance with one as you do with 100, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I haven't. I would imagine that that's correct. If you're going to get lucky, you're going to get lucky on one ticket. You right. know what I mean? Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, automation and self-checkout lanes at grocery mm-hmm. stores. Well, yesterday, Harris Teeter said that they are trying some stores that are all self-checkout. They're trying these out in North Carolina specifically. And if it's popular and people like it, then they might roll this out nationally. So they are getting rid of the jobs and they are opening up stores where everybody just checks themselves out. And you know what? At every one of those checkout counters, there'll be a person there yeah. to help you when you get stuck. Oh, no, or when absolutely. when the machine breaks down or when you can't figure out, you know, how do you put an avocado here, right? No, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, since Amazon took over Whole Foods, Whole right. Foods has put in a lot of self-checkout lanes, right? And it rarely ever goes exactly how you would like it to go. And so they have to have a couple of people yeah. sort of staffing oh, yeah. those little kiosks because... There are all sorts of problems. So we'll see if it's successful in North Carolina. They'll start rolling it out. But, of course, you know, our buddy Andrew Yang has talked about this stuff, this automation. And it's nice to jobs. know that humans are still needed for some things. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Well, for years they've been pretending to care about people with pre-existing conditions. Now we know that was all another big lie. The Trump administration yesterday saying we want to kill every provision of the Affordable Care Act. What do you say, folks? On a Wednesday, March 27, hello, hello. Great to see you. It is the Bill Press Show. We are live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action. And we are joining you coast to coast on the radio, online, and on television. Thanks for being there today. Pardon me. And join me in welcoming back to the studio on a day, a very important day, to talk about health care. Health care reporter for Politico, Alice Alstein. Alice, nice to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, Did you see this coming? So not this particular uh, argument, although it's just an escalation of the argument they were already making in court. So that that was the big shocker. The big shocker came many, many months ago when the administration said, we're not going to defend this federal law that's on the books, that's still in effect, the Affordable Mm -hmm. Care Act. Instead, we're going to side with these Republican attorneys general who are challenging the law and trying to strike it down, but they only sided with them in part. They argued at the lower court, the Trump administration, the Justice Department, 
that only the protections for pre-existing conditions and the consumer protections should fall because the individual mandate was killed by Congress as part of the tax bill. Now that the lower court has gone to the max and said the entire law has to fall, agreeing with the Republican states, uh, the Justice Department is saying, yep, that's our position too. Right. So this federal judge in Texas, yes, uh, he was ruling on this, this lawsuit brought by the different state attorneys mm-hmm. general, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, was that a one-man decision? A, yes, a, a, yeah. It was one judge in Texas, okay. and now it's being appealed up to the Fifth Circuit. Right, the Fifth Circuit. Uh, and that's where the Trump administration says, yes. we will join you at the Fifth Circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifth Circuit is the Houston, Texas, southwest area, I guess? Uh, yeah, south- more southeast, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, how many judges? This is... <laughs> I guess what I I think it depends on how with, a, whether yeah. it's a full en banc, as they say, correct, or correct. just a, a smaller number of them. This right? will be a smaller number, yes. So by by this ruling, the, the, the and and it's reported maybe on Politico. I read it this morning that um, not all members of the cabinet were on board with doing this. Right? Some right. people argue that this is a mistake for us to go this far. Well, it was interesting because so um, the number two person at HHS was up on Capitol Hill testifying yesterday at a hearing and I was there and he was asked about this, this lawsuit and asked if he got a heads up or if he, you know, his department was consulted on the massive impact this would have on people's health care. And he didn't really answer that question about whether or not they got a heads up. And he sort of said, you know, it. nothing's happening right now because the lower court ruling was stayed. So, you know, nothing's changing for now. Um, But then my colleagues broke a big story saying that the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General were against this move. They thought it was not the right thing to do, but the president and some of his key allies thought it was the way to go. And that's the way they went. Speaker Pelosi yesterday uh, commenting on this said that this really puts the lie to what Republicans have been saying about protecting people with pre-existing conditions. Here's uh, her comment. They say they're going to protect pre-existing conditions as a benefit, pre-existing condition as a benefit, and then they go to court to strip it. So, yeah, they said, we've heard Donald Trump say over and over again, we are, we're going to take care of you if you've got pre-existing conditions. This this is just the opposite, Right. Well, so there's there's the politics and there's the policy. The politics are incredible for Democrats. Here they were coming off this uh, Mueller report that they that many Democrats felt was a big disappointment and almost an embarrassment uh, based on what was predicted. Again, we haven't seen the actual report, but that that's how it was playing yeah, out. And yeah. so Democrats were. Um, you know, really on the defense there. And then suddenly the Trump administration decides to hand them this incredible gift of pivoting back to the very issue that won Democrats back the House, saying, let's talk about Obamacare and how much we want to get rid of it. And Democrats are saying, great, we would love to talk about that. We would love to draw that contrast. And it's not an accident. I mean, this was planned before the lawsuit announcement. But yesterday, uh, Speaker Pelosi and top Democrats in the House introduced a package of bills to reinforce the Affordable Care Act and make the subsidies more generous and, you know, shore it up and protect it. And so that that contrast was playing out. Policy-wise, it, it, it's, it's another story. The 
the Republicans say, and they've said all along, we want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. We don't like it. We think it's not working. Many people are still uninsured. Costs are too high for some. And there's some there's some truth to that. And they say, we want to replace it with something better. They've never come up with what that is. Uh, and I'm they not, still don't have one. No, I was going to ask you that. I mean, yes. so it was, um, I believe, 2010 when Barack Obama signed mm-hmm. the Affordable Care Act, right? Mm-hmm. I was there in the East Room when he signed mm-hmm. it, I remember. It's a big celebration. That's when Joe Biden famously said this is a big effing deal. <laughs> um, and And they've talked about... I mean, I forget how many votes in the House under John Boehner, you know, is over 30, I think, to repeal. Oh, more than that. Yeah, Yeah, really. dozens and dozens. Yeah, And then repeal and replace it, right? Yes. So they've been talking about replacing for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Have they ever come up with a plan? Not really. I mean, they came up with one that they passed the House. They don't have one today, do they? They don't have one today. Oh, no. And this was a complete surprise to Republicans on Capitol Hill. They were blindsided by the Justice Department's decision. And then Trump himself came to Capitol Hill yesterday to meet with Senate Republicans over lunch and say, let's go back to health care. Get this done. And they said, get what done? (laughs) They they don't really have a a clear mandate or direction to go in. Um, This issue was so toxic for them over the past couple of years. Um, So they say, you know, no matter what, we will protect people with pre-existing conditions. They have not put forward a comprehensive plan to do that. And I will also say um, that so a lot of the bills moving through Congress were criticized for being repeal without replace. But obviously, a court ruling striking it down would be the ultimate repeal without replace. There would be nothing. Um, And, you know, people should really keep in mind that should that happen, it's not just going to affect people on the individual market and people on the Medicaid expansion. People think, oh, I'm not on Obamacare. I'm on an employer plan or I'm on Medicare. But Obamacare impacts all of those things. All of us are on Obamacare in some fashion, whether we think about it or not, if we're getting free preventative checkups, if we're... Uh, yeah. you know, able to uh, breastfeed at work in a, you know, a nice uh, hygienic area if, you know, we're a senior with drug cost subsidies. So this is intertwined in our healthcare system in every single way and getting rid of it would be catastrophic. Uh, that is a very, very important point. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I may not be giving you uh, enough credit here because I, I printed this out this morning, early this morning at home, uh, and I think it was from your website, and maybe you wrote it, uh, about that um, Obamacare, making your point, to look familiar? I don't know. Was that your story? Uh, I contributed to it, yes. All right, okay. There you go. Good work. <laughs> Thank you. I was so impressed this morning. I said, I'm going to print it out and take it. That's because, from yesterday, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It shows that, your point, it, it that the benefits mm-hmm. of the Affordable Care Act go far beyond mm-hmm. the people who enrolled in the exchanges, Right, as you point, in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, that uh, all the people, 60 million senior citizens and disabled uh, Americans now enrolled in Medicare, Obamacare for them, lower premiums, lower deductibles, and, out, and lower out-of-pocket costs, mm-hmm. thanks to Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Medicare is really not part of Obamacare, right? Right. And, uh, and so that's one great big benefit. Another is all these extra millions of Americans who signed up, was it 12 million or something, to Medicaid, to mm-hmm. expanded Medicaid mm-hmm. as part of Obamacare, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, across the board, uh, the fact, the preventive care that's available now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so that would go Republicans right? protection for people with pre-existing conditions gone. Right, right. Uh, young people on their parents' uh, health care plan until the age of 26 gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the Trump administration's own mm-hmm. agenda on things like HIV eradication and opioids, opioids exactly, and lowering drug costs depend on provisions of the Affordable Care Act. Um, so Republicans. So what are they thinking, really? <laughs> the Justice Department? No. Yeah. Or the Trump administration. <laughs> right. I mean, it looks like the Justice Department, given that there was some conflict inside the cabinet, that somebody yes. at the White House said no. This is where you go. You go all the way, right? From, is this the from, president? From the reporting, you know, the president felt so vindicated by the smaller report that he feels free to, you know, go for a bold domestic agenda now. And this is part of it. And this is what he wanted to do, you know, against the wishes of many of his top cabinet officials. So Trump would, but they're left like with nothing. Remember a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, the president said, God, whoever thought healthcare was so complicated? <laughs> Hello, it's, that that line is referenced a lot these days. Yeah. yeah. So if they haven't come up with a plan in in the last ten years, what are the chances between now and twenty twenty? I mean, we're into the twenty twenty campaign. Right. What are the chances they're going to have a, a credible replacement strategy? Well, the chances in, in the next six months. Well, and and not even whether Republicans can come up with a plan, which is one question. But if Republicans couldn't pass something through Congress when they controlled both chambers and the White House, when they had total control of government and they couldn't come together on a plan, the the idea that Congress, a divided Congress with Democrats controlling the House and Republicans controlling the Senate, are going to come together and agree on a plan is just less than zero, I think. Right. And um and. A lot of lawmakers, I was talking to lawmakers in the halls yesterday, and they were, you know, sort of referencing the idea that should the court strike Obamacare down, it would be enough of a crisis that it would force everyone to come together. Um, but we've we've seen we've seen a lot of crises and deadlines and shutdowns, and um, that has not proven true in other circumstances. Well, it forced people to come together, but in the meantime, you have millions and millions of Americans who are out of luck, right, and out of health care while they're trying to get their act together. Potentially, it depends how how the courts rule. And so they the, the thought is either this dies at the Fifth Circuit or it drags on all the way to the Supreme Court and into 2020, and then you have a situation where we're staring down an election, and the Democrats are gleeful to make it about health care because that has been a big winning issue. Polling is completely on their side. The Affordable Care Act is popular, even though it has many shortcomings, um, and many people are still uninsured. Uh, but it it is popular, and in polling, folks say that they trust Democrats more than Republicans on the issue of health care. And so to have this looming at the Supreme Court during election season and having the Trump administration arguing for the full eradication of the Affordable Care Act is going to be politically dicey for them. You know, it's interesting. This ties back to um, uh, Donald Trump's uh, tweet storm against John McCain last week, where John McCain, with his famous vote, uh, uh, against repeal and wasn't that what they call it? Re- replace light or something? It was oh, skinny repeal. Skinny repeal, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
<laughs> even then. Yes. And that was McCain's point is, you know, yeah. we can't just repeal right. and replace it with nothing. And basically they had nothing on the other side. Right. I mean, yeah. there was skinny repeal. There was repeal and delay, which was we'll repeal it, but it won't go into effect for two years. And that'll give us two years to come up with a great plan. But <laughs> I mean, like you said, if you can't come up with a great plan in 10 years, I don't know how you're going to come up with a great plan in two years. Right. Um, and I mean, we're 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 going to be relitigating the Affordable Care Act until the end of time, it feels like. Right. Um, so today, as things stand today. Yes. Uh, the Affordable Care Act is still uh, in place. Yes. All the provisions mm -hmm. are still in place. This was just uh, an argument made in a brief filed to the court this week because it was the deadline for both sides to file their briefs to the court. Um, so it was a surprise because it was an escalation from their argument at the lower court, but it wasn't completely out of the blue because this was the deadline for them to submit what, what they wanted to tell the Fifth Circuit. Right. Uh, so it could for, for people. I think it's important to understand for people to understand who mm -hmm. who do benefit now from protection, uh, whatever whatever provision of Affordable Care that that is all still in place. Yes, and it's not going to be taken away from them tomorrow. Right. right, maybe a year from now or something. But right. but it does, as you say, politically, really clarify who's on which side here. I mean, it's it's it seems to me it's hard for Donald Trump, although he'll continue to do it and hard for Republicans to make the case, we will protect or we're, we're committed to protecting people with pre-existing conditions when they are now in court saying, we want to get rid of all, all of Obamacare, including that kind of protection, right? And it, and it puts Republicans in Congress really in the hot seat and makes, makes them have to struggle and be on the defense um, going into an election where they have a lot of seats up in the Senate, obviously a lot more in the House as well. And um, mm -hmm. they're they're going to have to answer for this. I imagine there'll be ads run against them just on this issue. You would think that after losing forty seats in the House on this issue, that they would not choose <laughs> to take the, this extreme a position on this same issue coming into twenty twenty. Well, it sounds like Republicans on Capitol Hill were not the ones making this decision and wouldn't have made this particular decision if yeah. they had their druthers. So um, you said you were on the Hill yesterday. So was uh, Donald Trump yes. uh, having a little caucus lunch with mm -hmm. the Senate Republicans, walking into that meeting uh, on this issue, knowing that's what he wanted to talk about. Here was his pledge to reporters. The Republican Party will soon be known as the party of health care. What's, What's that mean? Well, it, when when he, he tweeted that shortly before saying it out loud and um, we were just cracking up because it just, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, this is, this is what Democrats want the most is to change the conversation away from the Mueller report and back to health care. And so to to sort of declare that but not back it up with a proposal is um, really makes the Democrats with all of their detailed bills they're introducing recently to shore up the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, look yeah. look um, pretty competent in comparison. And it also helps folks in leadership like Pelosi. So what she doesn't want is to have an inter-party fight over, oh, should we have Medicare for all? Should we have Medicare expanded for some people but not everyone? Or should we just stick to 
strengthening the Affordable Care Act, that could be a very dicey inter-party conflict, and it, it still could be. But now, instead of focusing on that, she gets to focus on the much greater contrast between Republicans and Democrats on this issue. Yeah. It was a, um, a, a fortunate timing yesterday that Donald Trump, uh, that the Trump administration would do this, as you pointed out, on the day that the Repo- Democrats introduced their uh, strengthening of, of the Affordable Care Act. Tell us a little bit more about that legislation. Sure. I mean, the, these are proposals they've been making for a long time. They're very broadly popular. Um, the the Almost the entire uh, Democratic caucus supports it because you have the folks, sort of the centrists, who flipped red districts in the 2018 election and they, you know, ran on promises to protect the Affordable Care Act specifically. And even the most far left of the caucus who want Medicare for all eventually say, I would be happy to strengthen the Affordable Care Act in the meantime. Those things mm-hmm. are not mm-hmm. mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And so these are very broadly popular. They will certainly pass the House. The Republican Senate is not likely to even touch them. And they're, they're things... Um, like restoring the outreach budget for yeah, the Affordable yeah. Care Act, which the Trump administration cut a lot. Which really hurt with enrollment because people didn't, the, the enrollment period was shortened and then people didn't even know it was time to re-enroll. Right. right. They changed the deadline and then they cut the advertising about it and the yeah, outreach, yeah. Um, which which mm-hmm. helped in the first few years bring in young people. The, the legislation would also make subsidies more generous because right now, you know, if you're sort of middle class, you're cut off from getting a subsidy and the premiums are challenging to afford. And it, yeah, it would do a lot of things. It would also, so uh, Republican, the Trump administration has been allowing these short-term health plans. This is controversial among Democrats, but basically mm-hmm. they're allowing these plans uh, that are going to last. They're called short-term plans, but they can last a whole year just like a regular health care plan. But they're these very sort of skimpy, catastrophic plans. The appeal is that they're cheap. The downside is that they barely cover anything. And uh, Democrats have have documented that it, both in the past when they were allowed and now that that they're sort of expanded, they've been marketed to people in deceptive ways. Um, and so there there's some uh, investigations about them going on on Capitol Hill. But this would restrict those uh, short term plans. So you, you would you would more have to buy an Obamacare plan that really covers everything. Right. But the contrast is pretty clear yes. from the administration wanting to 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 jettison. Uh, the entire Affordable Care Act and Democrats are out at the same time with legislation to fix shore it up things, and to fix yeah. it, which it's it's always need fixes from the beginning. Sure. It certainly needs needs some improvements. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the Medicare for all. So, mm-hmm. you know, this was Bernie Sanders' big idea yep. in 2016, which everybody said was so far out there. Um, and yet today, just about every Democratic candidate of the entire 15 who are running so far is supporting some version of right. Medicare for all. I mean, Bernie's won that battle for sure. Mm-hmm. But under that rubric, mm-hmm. there are a lot of variations yes. on a theme, right? Definitely. Right. Yeah, there's so, a whole spectrum. Um, there's, you know, the the most sort of moderate incremental, let's just allow people over age 50 to buy into Medicare, uh, but keep Medicare the same otherwise, and they still have to pay premiums, et cetera. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the Bernie Sanders Pramila Jayapal bill, which would be a beefed up Medicare that covers way more than Medicare covers now. 
for everyone, totally for free, no premiums, no nothing, you're covered. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And yeah. then there's and ones in the middle. Uh, which would mean getting rid of private insurance companies. <laughs> Essentially, yes, because uh, only a few little supplemental things would even necessitate them. And then in between yes. uh, is one I understand, like I think uh, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky and mm-hmm. a couple of others come up with mm-hmm. it. It's you have a, basically it's a a public option, right? You have a choice. Yeah, it's, of it's join, um, you have a choice of joining Medicare, mm-hmm. or you could still buy private insurance if you can afford it and if that's what you want. Right. So it, it would auto enroll a lot of people, though. So it, it's more than a public. It's like a beefed up public option. It would auto enroll um, some um, children. It would auto enroll some older folks, and it would be an option for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And um, it could be an option both for an individual employee if they want it more than their employer plan, or the entire company, the employer, could choose to offer it as their employer plan. And so, um, you know, you could really see under the scenario that without even making it mandatory, you might get most people onto it in in not that long. Um, so there, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot. It's fascinating because something like that would have been seen as wildly radical just a few years ago. And now, in contrast to the Bernie bill, it's the moderate option. <laughs> but it does look like in 2020 that that is going to be uh, where a lot of the debate takes place. That's going to be one of the key defining issues of Absolutely. the 2020 campaign. And right now, you're seeing a lot of candidates keeping their options open. They're endorsing the senators who are running for president are signed on. They're co-sponsoring multiple bills. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I see. And right, so yeah, <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, yeah. They said, you know, I want Medicare for all, but if what we can get is for folks over fifty, great. I'll take it for now. Um, and so you see, yes, a lot of a lawmakers, uh, Cory Booker. Kamala Harris, et cetera, endorsing multiple health care plans and sort of keeping their options open. What we'll have to see is, you know, if Bernie's uh, participation in the race really pressures them to come up with their own health care plans instead of endorsing other folks. Um, have you followed the Sackler family? Uh, a bit, a bit. Yeah. Crisis or yes. controversy? Yeah. 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 The Sackler family, the principal investors in the company that manufactures opioids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that have made all their money by pushing these opioid drugs out there Mm -hmm. uh, and have been hiding how addictive they were, et cetera, hiding how addictive they were. And at the same time, the Sackler family foundation being one of the biggest supporters, particularly the arts museums Mm -hmm. in the world. uh, And now. Uh, because we see that the money has come from this illicit drug trade. Not illicit, maybe, but um, what? what's the word for it? I don't know. Damaging to Damaging, the country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's lots of lawsuits right. happening right now yeah. trying to hold companies accountable. Yeah. Several of the world's uh, biggest museums have mm-hmm. said, we don't want your money anymore. It's yeah. tainted money. It's come at the cost of human lives and a lot of suffering because of these drugs. And so the Sackler family has they've they've halted any charitable contributions because nobody <laughs> wants their money, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which, yes, yeah, no, I I think it's fascinating, and that going after that sort of philanthropy, um, trying to strip away um, a a company or. Um, in this case, the family's credibility has been a really interesting and I think really effective activist tactic. I mean, you've seen it with oil companies also sponsoring museums right. and um, protests related to that. And so I, I, I think 
drawing the connecting the dots between between these things has and been as really... serious a crisis as it is. There still mm-hmm. has been real no national program to deal with it. I mean, I know there's Donald, a lot but, of different ones. Yes, Kelly and Conway held some meetings in the White House, but what happened? Well, Congress did pass bills, you know, putting a lot of money into this. But it just I mean, what you're hearing from the states is that it's just never enough. I mean, they're investing so much money into making um, drugs available to revive people who have overdosed more more readily available. They've, um, you know, expanded treatment options. But um, it's just such a huge crisis and tens of thousands of people every year are dying. Right. So there it is. Um, Thanks in part to Donald Trump. the Affordable Care Act is going to be and protecting it and expanding it and a and not killing it. Uh, key issue in 2020. Alice, you're going to have an exciting another uh, 18 months here. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for coming in <laughs> Thank today. You. you can follow Alice's work at Politico, politico.com. Should the media apologize for its coverage of the Robert Mueller investigation? Parker Malloy joins us from Media Matters for America coming up next here on the Bill Press Show. A quick break, and then we'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. It's a Wednesday, March 27. It's the Bill Press Show, and it's good to have you with us as we join you everywhere you are in this great land of ours. (coughs) Pardon me. From our studio in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And we join you today thanks to the help of the American Federation of Government Employees, good men and women of the AFGE, the largest uh, union for federal employees under the leadership of President J. David Cox. Uh, Those are good men and women who keep our federal agencies running, proud to get up and work for America every day. Uh, Check out their website at AFGE.com. Dot org, And we welcome uh, to the studio uh, for the remainder of the show here, the next 35 minutes or so, uh, Parker Malloy is uh, editor over, editor at large, over at the great Media Matters for America. Hey, Parker, hey. nice to see you. It is great to be here. We are glad to provide some uh, studio space and a microphone for you today to step up to the microphone sure. and to apologize to Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the <laughs> Trump administration for all the bad things you said about him during the Mueller investigation that we now know was uh, totally, um, you know, uh, a, a, a real witch hunt, as Donald as, Trump said. As, as he is no doubt owed an apology. <laughs> um, which the, the funny thing is that's actually something that when, um, <laughs> what, what was it, Rudy Giuliani went on uh, Chris Cuomo's <laughs> show on, on CNN, and at one point he stopped... <laughs> Stop the show and and uh-huh. said, apologize for this before we go any further. Apologize, uh-huh. and it's just so bizarre to see all of that at play. It's it's <laughs> it feels so childish. It feels so petty, especially jumping to this so quickly. You know, we're we're we were twelve hours out from when Barr's letter came out, and you already had um, the messaging, which started at the White House. You had Kellyanne Conway and. Rudy Giuliani and Sarah Sanders out there saying that the media owes Trump an apology. And then you see that same message echoed across conservative media. You you see uh, Tucker Carlson, Sean, Sean Hannity had a 26 minute rant <laughs> uh, to open his to open his show on Monday 
and uh, where that was that was the theme that people should apologize. And when you when you look at uh, you know if you if you think about it, Sean Hannity was the number one uh, proponent of this Seth Rich conspiracy theory that he kept going and he was basically dragging Seth Rich's family through. you know, through through hell, you know, trying trying to make that, um, you know, trying trying to create this kind of conspiracy theory. So, it's it's kind of funny seeing them now standing up for the inte- integrity in journalism. Uh, yeah. Well, well, the uh, and Peter, while we're talking, maybe you could pull uh, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday. Remember when she was uh, saying the media should be uh, uh, ashamed just to hear that again, but. Um, my question is first, like, apologize for what? Exactly. I I mean, yeah. okay. Oh, here we go. This is Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday uh, outside the briefing room, of course, because we don't have briefings anymore. Uh, after she'd finished talking to Fox, she talked to reporters. I think Democrats and the liberal media should be what? absolutely embarrassed by their behavior over the last two <laughs> years in their breathless reporting and their hope. It's not just that they reported and spread a slanderous, malicious lie, but they hoped for the takedown of the president of the United States. Well, again, apologize for what? Apologize for reporting that the Justice Department was conducting a criminal investigation into the president of the United States, which was started by members of the Justice Department, not by the Clinton campaign. In fact, and and the special counsel appointed by people that Donald Trump had appointed to head the Justice Department. Could could you imagine if they if if they just didn't cover this? Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if there was no coverage, no reporting, I, I think. Or we're supposed to apologize for the, for reporting that the president's campaign manager yeah. was found guilty <laughs> in two different courts of multiple crimes for which he's going to spend you know eight or ten years or whatever it is in prison. Or apologize for reporting that the president's personal attorney said the president lied when he said he knew nothing about hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, and the president lied when he said he was not doing business deals with for a new hotel in uh, in Moscow all during the time of the campaign, for which Michael Cohen is going to jail too. So we we weren't supposed to report on no. any of that. Gotta gotta focus more on tax cuts in the economy. That's 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 their big message. You're, oh, the media keeps downplaying his accomplishments and this and that. But I I, I don't I, I have a hard time taking taking that sort of instruction seriously. That 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 media shouldn't report something. But I think one thing that's important to note here is that uh, in in a lot of this criticism, people seem to be confusing. Uh, opinion pieces with reporting, and I've tried to ask people what which stories were wrong that shouldn't have been reported. And for the most part, it was that they didn't like a contributor who was on CNN or MSNBC or but something like that. The contributor is not a CNN anchor, right, right? Exactly. And in the in cases where reporters have made mistakes, uh, you've they've been punished what was it uh cnn ended up firing three 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 of their editors i think yeah exactly forget what the post was but yeah it was something involving scaramucci and russian banks or something like that but they those three people lost their jobs so there are price there is a price to pay when people do screw up but you can't go after you know uh 
Jennifer Rubin writing an opinion column at the Washington Post for being too hard on, you know, on Donald Trump, which right. seeing Sean Hannity describe her as, as a far but, left, yeah. uh, you know, writer but, is is one thing. But yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think they would have been happier if if um, and Sarah said this, says this that whenever there is a briefing and that said when there were briefings, would say it all the time. Why aren't you why aren't you talking about our bill on tax cuts or something? Or why aren't you talking about bum bum? Why are you talking about the Mueller report? Well, again, this is the president of the United States who is under investigation for potential serious crimes against this country um, and an investigation that um, we, we gave the numbers yesterday, issued 2,800 subpoenas, um, executed 500 search warrants, uh, interviewed 500 witnesses, indicted 34 individuals, including six top members of Donald Trump's team. This is a big story. Pretty big. So, yeah. Hello. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think a big part of this is the fact that the goalposts kept moving, too. It started with... Oh, Russia didn't have anything to do with the election. And now and then, you know, if you look at how people are talking about this now, it's, oh, well, of course, Russia did something with the election. But did Trump know that that shouldn't be the standard of whether something's newsworthy, whether or not Donald Trump personally knew of, uh, you know, issues affecting the election. And I think that one of the uh, one of the biggest mistakes is that people accept this idea that um, that Russian involvement was uh, some Facebook posts or just some social media posts or something like that. But it's really, if you think about it, the um, you know the the leaked DNC emails and the leaked Podesta emails, that was a giant story that held on from about July onward. So that took up a lot of space. That was that was something that in the in the final uh, in the in the final month of the campaign. On the trail, Donald Trump was mentioning it constantly because it was a powerful story. And that's when when I think of r- Russian involvement, uh, that's the story I think about. I don't think about $40,000 in Facebook ads or something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. I think of the fact that this story and the timed slow release was essentially a way to hack the media. It was a way to dictate coverage. It was a way to divert things away whenever he was facing a tough story. Um, as you saw the day that the Access Hollywood tape was released, immediately Wiki- WikiLeaks came out with something to try to try to divert attention away from that. Right. So that that was a big deal, and I think that it's it's certainly worth covering. Fox seems to be, it's not just the White House, but Fox seems to be, no surprise, um, doing the work of the White House in terms of retaliation against um some of the other cable networks and some individuals, Rachel Maddow particularly, yes, yes, uh, targeted by saying, you know. yeah, that uh, that that was no surprise, and I and I, I mean it, it always. Uh, and again, Rachel does her homework; yeah, she knows her facts, I, and she just lays it out there. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, obviously, I, she she has opinions mm-hmm. and she puts puts them forth, but I, I I don't see how someone can take issue with Rachel Maddow, but but not see anything wrong with. Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or Lou Dobbs or any number or Laura of Ingram. people. I mean, yeah. if you talk about the opinionated, yeah. that's what you have in prime time right. on Fox. People all have their point of view, their agenda. Exactly. It happens to be all pro Trump. All pro Trump. Yeah. What a weird coincidence. Uh, and <laughs> on MSNBC, you've got people who have a different 
yeah. uh, point of view, which they express in prime time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. Okay. I, I, I kind of feel like one of the, one of the issues here, which the only point that I think that the people calling for various apologies kind of have here, which is not the point they're trying to make, is that a lot of people can't tell the difference between between the two. They they see the news coverage, they see the opinion coverage, and they, it blends oh, to yeah. blends together in a lot of ways. And I think that that's one thing right now at Fox. They're really trying to emphasize that wall between opinion and news. Um, but it's it's less a wall and more um, whatever the opposite of a wall is. <laughs> it's a door. Um, so you, you, you kind of see that float back and forth. So it's it's hard to separate those two. And I think that the answer might actually be across the board to to cut back on opinion programming. I get that it's hard to it's hard to fill 24 hours worth of news um, or to reduce the number of panels. How many times do we need to watch people screaming at each other uh, on CNN or MSNBC or Fox? It's it's not helpful. And I think that it leads to it leads to people being uh, being confused and not understanding what is fact and what is opinion, and then distrusting distrusting the the press overall. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd push back on that a little okay. bit. First of all, I've sure. uh, I've always been oh, yeah. an opinion journalist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was hired originally. My started my television career as a commentator, and all I can say is this: is that everywhere I've been, every and you know, for the two. Stations I worked for in Los Angeles, and and the two cable networks I've I've been worked for MSNBC and CNN, I've always been identified as a commentator or a mm-hmm. contributor. Yes, um, and you, I think you're right. Some people don't get that distinction, but they're pretty dumb if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> and and almost every time I've many times I've, if I appear, uh, there's somebody on the other side. I mean, so you get oh, yeah. you know. It's back and forth, right? And so they ought to see, and in the middle is your anchor, right? Yeah. Um, but um, there's so certainly I, a place I, for it. I'm, it yeah, and yeah. I, I think they're pretty clear trying to, to to let people know. I mean, I saw, I noticed yesterday. I saw I write a column for the Hill, and right at the top of the opinion page on the Hill, over my column and everybody else's column, is the views expressed by Bill yeah. Press are his views alone and not the Hill, right? Yeah. Boom. Which, I think that's important, and I I think what was something so, la- last year the New York Times redesigned their opinion page so it looked different than mm-hmm. um, looked different than their straight reporting, which I thought was a really interesting approach to really try to visually change what it looks like. There is a theory out there that because Fox now bought um, the big the Fox Corp just bought the mm-hmm. I forget which studio one of the big studios right. But at any rate, and Lachlan Fox, or Lachlan Murdoch has mm-hmm. sort of moved up, and Rupert is not so much the chieftain of everything anymore. That um, that Fox might become a little more independent, a little more critical of, of Donald Trump, be willing to do that. Trump about a week ago tweeted out about two Fox anchors in the middle of a Sunday afternoon that he didn't like. He thought they must have gotten their training at CNN, uh, <laughs> right? So, what are they doing on Fox? Why aren't they like Lou Dobbs? You know, um, is there? Do you see any 
change and a kinder, sure. gentler fox? Oh, I, I wish, but I, I, see, I, I don't see how that's possible right now. I, when, when you have, I, if, if anything, I feel like Fox is getting more extreme over time. Really? Y- yeah. Because you, you've got, uh, you know, especially <clears throat> Laura Ingram. You, you watch her show, <laughs> and it just takes these, uh, she comes back to a lot of these talking points that are really, really, uh, you know, she complains about identity politics as, as a lot of Fox anchors do, but but when they're playing up these fears of fears of immigrants and you know this idea that people are going to be replaced which is something that she's mentioned on her show a number of times that's i that's pretty extreme and that i mean that that is i an identity based point of point of view to put out there so i don't see how you you have a kinder gentler form of nationalism which is <laughs> which is what you know what what that would be so what the it, Trump agenda is? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I feel like it's 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 hard to do that, especially when they're trying to still still currently trying to please Trump, their number one fan. You know, when when he when when they do straight news reporting, he complains that it's not like Lou Dobbs. Why aren't more people like Lou Dobbs or Steve Ducey or Laura Ingram or Tucker Carlson? And it's it's a it's a tough needle to to thread. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, we've we've done this show for a long time. We've we've been watching Fox News for a long time, right? And even going back to the days of Bill O'Reilly, uh, you know, Bill O'Reilly, a lot of bad takes, right? <laughs> Obviously, but they back in the day would stop short of actually putting out white nationalist ideas, right? They they knew how to say the quiet part mm-hmm. quietly, yes. and now. Masks are off, you know. I mean, they, they we say this all the time. They're saying the quiet part loud. They're just being very upfront. Uh, they are catering to white nationalism. They want that audience. They 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 don't try and hide from it. Yeah. It's, it they have gotten so, it, which is remarkable because back fourteen years ago, uh, when we first started the show, they were really bad, and they've gotten exponentially worse. <laughs> Yeah, if if you go back and it's 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 kind of interesting to go back and and look at, for instance, if you if you go on the Media Matters website, look look at what was written ten years ago. It looks so tame by today's standards. You know, you you might see, oh, this this person had, uh, you know, uh, had got a fact wrong, or you know, something like that, mm-hmm. which which was yeah. notable at the time. But now it's we we everyone just sort of sort of assumes that there's going to be some straight up lying thrown in there, along with some incendiary viewpoints. You mentioned uh, the personalities there. I, I thought it was funny uh, a couple of weeks ago where the president um, gave everybody ratings based on how much <laughs> yes. they loved him, yes. right? And so th- there were several people at Fox who got a 10, like Sean Hannity got a 10, Lou Dobbs gets a 10, but Steve Ducey got a 12. Got a 12. <laughs> it was, how much do you love me on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, Ducey was a twelve. <laughs> you know, and 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 what I what I think is funny about that is 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 the fact that I'm 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 sure that Steve Ducey probably takes that with a point with oh, with with oh, pride. You oh, know, I bet no, you. no concern over the fact that hey, no. if the if it's the just, person whose news you're reading uh, thinks you're so great, maybe you're making a small mistake here or there. But you know, he seems pretty content with it. Oh yeah, I, I, you know. I bet he. I bet he has that framed, and he's hanging in right over the mantle in his in the living room. 
at the same time, um, the one that surprised us, and we end up um, playing uh, bites of his often on the show, is Andrew Napolitano. Yes. Napolitano has become a pretty independent legal analyst. I mean, it's interesting. he's still a conservative Republican, but on legal issues, he's been consistently pretty critical of the president. He's willing to push back, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And I'm not sure if if it's so much that he's changed or that the, that everyone else around him has has changed in the other direction. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he he is worth listening to. He's he's one yeah. of those conservative viewpoints that is worth listening to and considering because, you know, I I think it is important to hear views that differ from your own, uh, as long as they're as long as they're based in reality. Like I can't I can't I can't I don't see the benefit of entertaining some sort of bizarre white nationalist fantasy. Yeah. However, if someone wants to make the conservative legal argument for whatever, I am all on board for for watching that and listening to it. Now, I don't necessarily I don't agree with him often, but I, I I do think that it's 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 a good thing that he's willing to push back a little bit on on others because you you see especially when when he'll appear on shows like um like outnumbered for instance he'll he'll appear on these shows and the co-hosts will will try to set him up to basically say you know agree with me on this and he'll he might say well not that far let's you know walk it back so are we to think better of fox now that donna brazil is a, a political commentator that's interesting she did uh, i i think it's it's going to be interesting to see what she does over the next uh over the next few months um, but at, at the same time, it's, it's disappointing, I think, in the, in the sense that it, it's hard to look at Fox right now overall and see anything other than, uh, you know, more or less propaganda, especially when it comes to their, um, primetime shows. So she's appearing on these shows. I feel like when, when you're appearing on shows like Tucker Carlson or, you know, any, any of the. The other shows, uh, she was on Hannity, I think, the other night, which is really interesting because Hannity was one of the, uh, you know, one one of the loudest voices criticizing, you know, her supposedly giving a question to mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton during the um, mm-hmm. primary. Um, but but I I feel like those shows, it's it's tough because you don't want to legitimize uh, pr- propaganda, but at the same time they also have. Two and a half million viewers a night, so you've you've kind of got to balance that. I don't know if overall that makes her a net positive, a net negative, on there. I think that she she brings a valuable viewpoint, um, but I, I don't know if it's overall a good thing. And one one thing I can say about Don Donna is not someone who is going to um, temper her views or pull oh, in right. her sales because of being on Fox News. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she'll she'll. She'll say what she thinks. Oh yeah, and oh, and, and I fully believe that. Oh I, yeah, I, totally. And she'll call them out if she yeah. dis- disagrees with them. So I, I, I think uh, I'm glad she's there. I'm not sure it's going to make a big difference in Fox overall. Uh, I do want to ask you about this before we run out of time here. Is so um, it's not just the media that's come under uh, attack for um, uh, for their giving any credence at all to the Mueller report. They seem to have focused in on Adam Schiff. Yep, yep. That's. Uh, which is interesting. He's demanding just doing his job. that he resign. He's just yeah. doing his job. Yeah. Um, and also, he knows more about 
uh, he knows more about what's going on than anyone at Fox, which is which also makes this this really interesting. But I I, I feel like this push for apologies and a push for resignations, um, I don't know that it's necessarily a new trend, but it's certainly one that's picking up. Uh, it, it's it's picking up a lot of steam. It's you know you saw this happen a few weeks ago with uh, Representative Omar, um, where people right. were calling on her to step down from her her committee positions and with um Adam Schiff you see sort of the sort of the same thing and it's based on nothing really i mean they're they're really getting the message out there and i think that's one of the things that that really sort of sort of uh makes makes me uh makes me wonder what's what's actually in this report the the with the ferocity well, of of the pushback uh hopefully we'll find out soon i think they want they're going after adam schiff because he's so good and they want to get him out of the way. Yeah. Parker, thank you so much for coming in. Thank and you. thank you to all of you at Media Matters for uh, keeping us informed on the real truth, uh, answering the lies of the Trump administration. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.